wounded but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. Welcome to Wounded But Not Broken, another episode, great episode here tonight. I think uh, just post-Veterans Day here, I think, you know, I think every day we should give a shout out to our veterans and and what they uh, sacrifice for our country, for us and our country. And I think it's just a very special day and I hope everybody had a great weekend and I hope in some way that you were able to touch a veteran's life or intend a veteran ceremony because they truly are touching and, uh, you know, there's some great stories there. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I really want to just really quick hash over the, the episodes that we've done, you know, with, uh, Blaine Scott, Anthony Marquez, Eddie Corona, which he's a non-veteran, but he's devoted his life to veterans. You got Matt Amos and then, uh, Sarah Combs is a veteran. And one huge thing that all these people have in common are they give back each and every one of them are, you know, through their own struggles, through their own trying times are giving back to their veteran brothers and sisters. And I think that speaks a lot for the veteran community. And, uh, you know, with Blaine Scott, that was such a touching story, you know, with his, with his daughter going through bullying and, and, uh, unfortunately, sadly committing suicide. They've, they've, they're also tackling that too, uh, and have a nonprofit to combat bullying and, and children. And that's such a touching thing. And, and, uh, I want to, I want to thank everybody that has uh, donated to each and every one of these causes, um, and so tonight I, I do kind of like to change it up. I like to tell a veteran story and then, or a couple of stories and then have somebody on that actually, you know, interacts with veterans and impacts veterans lives in a different way. And tonight we have a very special guest, uh, Thor Ringler is online with us and he's going to, he's going to talk, talk to us about, he works on the mental health side, uh, for the VA and he's, he's, uh, really started a, a great project and organization to help veterans and i'm going to let him talk about it so thor you want to introduce yourself and uh just let's go with it all right thanks patrick thanks for the introduction and and thanks really for having me on the show um and just uh just to say from the beginning that i'm not a veteran i don't come from military background but um ever since sort of um sort of stumbling on the va and, and working with veterans i've become really committed to, to telling their stories and, and to serving them. So I'm really honored to be on the show tonight. Um, right. And uh, so that's, yeah. but that's a, that's a very important, that's a very important thing that you said. You're not a veteran, but in a way you've devoted your life to help veterans. And there's a lot of people like that. And, and I feel like they should get the, you know, just as much recognition as the veterans because for, without people like you that are willing to donate their time and, and expertise, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is, that's, you know, again, that just hashes over. I did a, I did a big speech on veterans Day, and this is the greatest country on earth. And it's because of our veterans and people like you. Yeah. Thank Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. You know, I mean, it's, I, I would say that, you know, for me, it's been a funny path because I, my background is I have a, I have a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and that's, that's how I came to the VA. Um, initially I, I had an internship year and I worked at a vet center, uh, which is a, a, a 
Counseling Center for Combat Veterans. Um, it's part of the VA, but sort of separate little facilities. And I did that for a year and um, just really, um, I guess, fell in love with the, with the people I talked with and really wanted to work with veterans. Uh, and I, I really wanted to work for the VA. So um, once I graduated, I, I started looking and um, I, um, I stumbled across this job. Uh, one of my co-workers at my internship sent to me. Uh, it was a six-month internship, and it was a pilot project, and it was called uh, My Life, My Story. And the project was a, a project where we would interview veterans uh, who might be in the hospital or maybe come in for an appointment. We'd interview them about their lives and their experiences, and then and then um, work with the veteran to make the story correct, fix whatever he or she you know thought needed correction. And then once the story was correct, into the medical chart so that doctors and nurses at the VA could read the story, but also so that the veteran could take copies for him or herself home and share with his or her family um, if, if they wanted to do that. And so I kind of fell off my bed when I saw that job um, because I'm also a writer, and, uh, so that, and so it was really inspiring to me to hear that they were trying something like that. That's that's really interesting. So you you have the veteran tell his story, you know, I guess from beginning to end in the military, and like what they like the hard stuff that they faced, or how detailed was the stories? Yeah. So um, yeah. So it's actually, I mean, it's it's longer. I would say it's longer than that. So they're actually like full life stories. So we actually, what we ask people is, you know, what, um, you know, we we want to hear from you. What you want to what do you want to share with your providers here today? What do you want them to know about you as a person? And obviously we ask people about their time in the military and that, you know, takes up a lot of some of the stories. Um, but we also ask them about their childhood, growing up, their family, how they got into the military, how they chose the service they got into, what it was like when they got out, how that impacted their, you know, education and job search later on, and then their own family um, and life up to kind of the moment of the interview. So it's, 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 Definitely has the military component in it, but it also has other parts, big big parts of other people's lives too. So, well, so it's it's more of a it's more to, I, I'm assuming it goes into their packet and that goes along with them to the VA, and so the doctors and nurses are, are maybe a little bit more personal with them that they can read it if they choose to. Is that is that right? Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, and so it's uh, so yeah, the idea is that the doctors um, and nurses can you know learn more about their patients rather than just being you know uh, the last four and uh, you know somebody with a with a particular illness. So I think that that's totally spot on what you just said. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So how did that uh, when you started that project? How how did that the fielding for that go, or how was it received? In well, the community. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Yeah, I must admit that when I started, I mean, I, I, I was really excited about it, and I knew, I knew that I, that it would be a, a good thing to do, but I wasn't sure if anybody was going to talk to us because, you know, it, it's not something the VA has done before. And so I was a little worried when we started. It's like, you know, is anybody going to want to talk to us in a hospital? You know, and I'd never really spent too much time in a hospital except, you know, briefly as a patient. And um, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to want to tell us their life stories. But um, what you know, what ends up happening, of course, is for people who have spent time in the hospital, is that there's a lot of boredom in a hospital. So, um, and you know, obviously there's the treatment and all that going on. But a lot of times, people are waiting for stuff to happen, and so they're actually, um, you know, it's a good time for them to be interviewed in some way because they have nothing to do <laughs> except wait. So, so, uh, so a lot of people are in, were interested in, in sharing their stories, which was the first big surprise. Um, like over half the people we approach and talk about it um say yes so that was that was pretty cool to find that out wow 
Yeah. So that's, so I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of them stories get pretty emotional and, and, uh, you know, depending on the soldier. Wow. So how, how is that program taken in the VM and is it, uh, has it kicked off really well and it's, it's, it's in, you know, in motion now? Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, we started, the program started in, in 2013, just with that pilot. And then, um, that went so well that they, you know, they, they kept me on and, and made me full time to run the project at, at the Madison VA, which is, which is where I work. Um, and then, um, so it kept expanding locally and we kept getting stories. And then, um, then we started expanding it within, you know, kind of within the region and also within the VA. And so it started out with, I think it was like six different pilot sites doing the same program. And now we're up to 60 VAs that, that do the program. So it's grown quite a bit. Yeah. Well, so how does it work? Does, um, I'm assuming there's somebody there recording as, as they do. Or how do, how do you, how do you log their story? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, we record them, you know, if it's, if it's okay with a, with, a, with a veteran uh, to record it. Um, and we take some notes and then from the recording and the notes, uh, from that interview, we write up, you know, we write up the story from that. And, uh, that, that obviously helps us write out, you know, working with the recording helps us write a more accurate story and really catch what they said and, you know, and, and really try to capture their language too, as, as they speak too. So, well, so does the um, how many how many stories do you think you've documented to date? Well, let's see. In Madison, we're uh, across the whole across the whole VA. We're at like six thousand two hundred, I think. And at Madison, we're just under three thousand right now. So wow. What are, and what are the doctors the doctors and nurses feedback about it? Does it help them, or are they do they just get excited to read them? They do, yeah, yeah, definitely. That was one of the things we, you know, we wanted to find out early on. So we surveyed, you know, doctors and nurses about it, and you know, definitely just really positive feedback from them about, um, you know, obviously just that feeling of, of getting to know more about the people they're treating, getting to know more about them as people, and just having that background. And also just sometimes, you know, the story is just being a great way to connect with people about, oh, you lived in, you know, you lived in Oregon or something like that, you know. Oh, I did too. So there's these, there's great, like, points of connection. And also just obviously a way of, you know, honoring people and, and what they've lived through and, and who they are. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. I could see that being very beneficial on the civilian side too. I mean, if I was a doctor, I would, that would be encouraged that in patients. That would be, would be pretty helpful. Um you know, just connected on a personal level, um, you know. I yeah. Guess yeah, you're right. And that's uh, actually, in the last couple of years, it's actually, um, especially out in, in, I think, in Boston and on the East Coast there, there's probably like a dozen, uh, you know, non-VA civilian hospitals that are doing the program now. So it's kind of spreading outside the VA too. Wow, that's that's really cool. So when you started it, were you, so I, I'm assuming you were one of the, were you the founder of it or, or were you, you were in the very beginning of it, I presume. Yeah, I was in, I was in the beginning. I'd say that, um, you know, that that initial idea, which was to like, Oh, well, what's, you know, how do we find out what, I mean, at the VA, it was sort of like started in mental health and it was started by a psychiatry resident and a couple of his mentors. And they were trying to think, you know, what's a, what's a way that we can learn more about our patients so we can, you know, 
know more about who they are rather than just who we see, you know, in these, you know, 30-minute psychiatry sessions, right? And so, um, and that, that's kind of where the idea came from, and they, they, they um, you know, came up on this idea of, about well, let's interview people and write them and, you know, put them in the chart. So that was, that was their idea. Then I was brought on when they got funding to hire somebody to try it out, and um, I, I would say that I just brought my, my contributions to the project is just kind of the, the writing part of it, you know, the format, how we do the interviews, you know, reviewing, reviewing every story with a veteran, and, 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 and those, are the, those, are the, those are the contributions that I made to the project, yeah. Oh, well, so when, when, you, when you go, after you get the finished product, I'm sure it goes through a lot of editing, and, and maybe does it go through multiple channels of approval or anything like that? No, um, no, it doesn't. It only um, the only the only person who approves it is is the veteran actually. So um, so we just have to review it and approve it with them. So that that's those that that's the reviewer actually. So um, I got you. And then it's up to them. They 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 share it to their family and friends or whoever yeah, they want yeah. to or. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and so I I'd say that's the other important, really important part of the process. That's that's critical is that the the veteran, you know, when they're at the VA, they're in control of the story the whole time. So, you know, they can, they can drop out of the process at any time, you know, um, they can decide, you know, oh, I want copies for myself, but I don't want it in the medical record. That's totally fine. Um, they can have, you know, anywhere from one to a hundred copies that we mail to them. Um, and, you know that's that's totally up to them, and then they can decide you know whether they you know whether they want it in the record, and you know we even have occasionally sometimes people come back and say, "Oh, I changed my mind, I don't want it in the record, and then we'll just you know delete it so it won't be in there so so it's really important that they have control over the story and it's theirs so that's that's a huge part of it well, that's super cool is it uh is there any other programs like this that are on the horizon or um anything anything they're gonna expand on? I mean, I think that, you know, the goal is just, uh, I mean, my, my goal, I should say, um, and hopefully the VA is, you know, coming along with me is, you know, just to have this be available to, to every, you know, veteran who uses VA healthcare, you know, just have this as an option that's something that they can do. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we're getting there. That's, that's definitely my, my sort of vision for, for the project. So, um, and I think we'll get there. Gotcha. So I know that you mentioned your degree was in marriage and family therapy, and I know in the veteran community, uh, a lot of times that's it's such a it's such a struggle and and such hardships on a marriage. Have you practiced any of that, uh, or had yeah. any? You do you do any of that with the soldiers or no? I did. You know, when I started, I was still I was I was getting my hours for licensure. So the first the first two years that I worked at the Madison VA, I was working half time as a as a as a marriage and family therapist and half time writing these stories, so I was sort of split between those two things. So yeah, I got to see some, I got to work with some amazing couples and families in that time, and um, yeah, definitely got a appreciation for how difficult um, you know that that can be for the family when deployments come up and uh, just all the issues that that go around that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Thor, we're going to take a break here, and we're going to get a word from our sponsor, so everybody stay tuned. we got some uh, here later on in the episode, Thor. I'm going to have Thor read a couple of the veteran stories that uh, were approved, and uh, so just stay tuned, and we'll be right back with the after commercials. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Come on over, come 
My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. VBN. Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're here with uh, Thor Ringler. Uh, we're talking about a program that was uh, in, that he was a part of uh, getting started. It's called My Life, My Story. It's where a veteran can tell his story and it goes in his packet and, and it makes everything more personal with his doctors and his healthcare providers. And, you know, it's such a great, uh, great program that they've started. And uh, Thor, I got to, so why, why do you think this is such a great hit? Why do you think it's working so well? Do you think it has any kind of therapeutic uh, qualities for veterans or does it help them tell their stories to, to other people and get it out there? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it, I think that's really true. I mean, I definitely just having, you know, been, you know, an interviewer for, for hundreds of interviews and just, I think being in that space and being able to talk to someone in a, you know, a, a safe place where, you know, you're not like giving them a survey or a questionnaire, you're just asking them genuine questions about, you know, them and, and what their life's been like, uh, you know, it creates a space where they can share. And um, a lot of times, you know, they end up sharing things that they might not have shared with their family before. Um, and so for them, I think, for some of them, I think it's a way to to, to share things with their family that they wouldn't be able to do face-to-face. Because -face. Um, I, I, mean, I think everybody probably understands that, you know, you know, when you're talking to loved ones about something that's difficult, it's it's hard. And um, sometimes having, a, you know, a story there, um, you know, that's already written is, is an easier way to do that. So I, I think it, it definitely has that effect on, on veterans and their families and um, yeah so I, I think there's definitely a therapeutic part of it I would say yeah 
Right. Yeah, I think I think for the families, they probably benefit the most. Uh, just from my experience, I think with the older generation, World War II and, and Vietnam, a lot of them guys didn't like to talk about uh, what they'd went through and what they'd seen. And I think I think a lot of that has to do with the lack of, obviously, it's a lack of support, but I think it's just a lack of awareness by our government and by our, the healthcare providers that there was actually you know, the things that they did and, and saw actually really affected them. And I, I just don't think they they really dove into that problem at that point. And I know I've been a part of talking to a couple of World War II veterans to where they opened up to me and their families had never heard any of it. And, you know, and their families would be in tears. And I think, I think their families, you know, it's, it's such a great therapeutic thing for them because they can actually figure out what their grandfather or father had actually went through because he never talked about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I think it's so important to be able to offer people opportunities to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, are have any of these stories? Uh, ha, have they ever given any uh, authors or anybody idea for books, or have they ever been used for in any kind of movie movie roles or anything like that? Not not so far. <laughs> no, there's definitely stories that that would that could be movies. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Yeah, we haven't really. Um, you know, um, gone that far, uh, you know, with getting the stories out there. I mean, I, I think one important thing, you know, is, you know, we we do ask veterans afterwards, you know, if, if they'd be willing to share, you know, a story, share their story outside the medical record and, you know, outside their family. And, it, and if a veteran's interested in doing that, he or she can sign a consent form and then we, you know, we, we de-identify the story and share the story. And so, like, the, the stories I'll read today will, will be stories like that. And we do have a, a podcast series where we have um, – some of the stories where veterans consented to share them being read by, you know, professional readers and, and so that so that's up too. But we haven't we haven't got anything um you know on the web yet. I would actually my goal is eventually to get, you know, the stories that are okay to share, you know, up on a website where people could look at them and read them because they're absolutely amazing. So yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And, I mean there's you know, there's thousands of stories out there that are just mind blowing and um yep. and that's kinda that's kind of my motivation for this, you know, uh, after after being uh, talking with some World War II Vietnam vets that didn't get to tell their stories and never would, you know, all my friends and the people that I know, I want to make sure that their stories get told because it's such an important part of, of our history. I mean, you know, the, the, somebody can always learn something from what these guys have been through and, uh, or somebody can be touched. It, it could change lives. It could save lives. And, and I don't know, it's just super important to me. Um, what about, what about when you interview soldiers that have uh, security clearance concerns or sensitive information is that I'm sure that's looked upon in some some way or somehow yeah I think for the you know for the most part you know they they you know they identify that and you know let us know that you know oh I, I can't talk about this you know or if they if they do sometimes you know sometimes people will say well you know I'll say this but I don't want it in the story you know so so then we just don't put it in there but yeah that's how we handle that and you know because of the review process and they get to read it over again so there's that sort of second look at it to make sure that everything's you know that they're not releasing any kind of information that they shouldn't be so yeah right so have you personally seen this uh change the way healthcare is provided or have you seen that more personal connection by the healthcare by the doctor or the nurses reading these stories before they see the, the veterans have you have you witnessed that change yeah, I mean, I've heard stories from from individual providers about how a story 
stories have been able, first of all, just to change the way they've connected with a veteran and been able to have a totally different kind of conversation with them about their health and, and what's going on with them health-wise. Um, and sometimes that's just a really strong point of connection. You know, the story itself is a way to connect. Um, there's a there's, there was one story I just actually just found out about this last uh, I think it was like a month ago and I didn't even know this. There was a um, there was a veteran who was being seen in the in the renal clinic at at Madison and um, he I think had 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 high blood pressure for years and years and nothing wasn't responding to medication and nothing would make it go down and. Um, and then he uh, he participated in, in my story, you know, told his doctors that he had, and um, you know, shared the story with them. And then his blood pressure went down. And it's just because he had shared his story, and he needed to do that. And that that in itself was enough to you know make him go to regular blood pressure levels um, just from doing that. So that that's kind of a dramatic example, but I didn't I didn't even hear that till like like a month ago. So. So it actually does have impact like that too, um, and, uh, and then I think just um, you know ways of you know inspiring veterans too. I've I've heard this a lot. Uh, you know the story is there's a lot of you know there's the good and the bad. You know and and a lot of times, especially in mental health, I think the the, the psychologists or the psychiatrists, the social workers are able to look at these stories and see, oh wow, look at what you did here. This is amazing. You know, remember, you know, like how strong you were when you did this, or look at look at, and so they're able to use them to like build people's confidence and remind them of what they can achieve and who they are. So I think I think there's that part of it too. Yeah, I think I, that, that's very important because I think for. You know, for at least the friends that I know that I, you know, it, it always helps to get everything, you know, off your chest. You want to talk about it. We as humans, we want to communicate. We're social creatures, right? And so I think, but on the other hand, like my story, it's just a story to me. I mean, I, you know, I look at it and people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what you went through, what you overcame. But for right. me, I can't see it any other way. I can't, I, I, it's just normal to me because I couldn't see anybody not doing what I did, you know? Right. So, right. but the... Yeah, but to have a have a third party look at it and then just kind of be like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, I'm sure that's a pretty big, I'm sure that's pretty impactful. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing, Patrick, is that you know, I think like I mean, I think there's 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 people who have told their stories a lot, you know, and processed it, and so it becomes a you know part of you know how they talk to people and you know they're comfortable sharing it. But there's other people like like the World War II veterans you were talking about, or, or Vietnam era. It's the, it's the same thing where there's a lot of um, reluctance to talk about those things, and and so for those for those eras of, of you know veterans of talking with them, you know it's a it's a very, you know, emotional and powerful thing to be able to share that for the first time, you know, and to share it with somebody else. And it really, it really does release and change things in a, in a big way for some people. So, yeah. yeah, I bet it does. So are most of these interviews done in person or do you do them over the phone or Skype or, or how are <laughs> yeah, they doing? Well, we were, so I would say up until, you know, up until COVID, we were pretty much, you know, in person uh, as, as much as we could be. So we'd, we'd either, you know, um, stop by people's rooms in the hospital and interview them there, um, or or set up appointments where folks would come in and we'd interview them like in an office. Um, but since COVID, we've had to you know switch to uh, you know to phone and to video when we can. Um, so we yeah we've been doing a lot more of those. I would say, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how much that's changed, huh? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So what what is the 
what is is there can you think of a couple times maybe some stories that you've heard that have impacted your life uh, in, a, in a positive way and how um yeah i mean i think yeah i'm trying to think of a, like particular ones you know they're all it's they're all amazing i mean if i think about like times where you know the interview i'd say probably is is the thing that really affected me the most and then the interviews that I've been in on and as you said before you know some of them are are very intense emotionally and you feel um like I I guess just honored and kind of in a I don't know that's maybe the right way to say it but kind of in a sacred space when you're with someone who's telling you something that's that important and so I think interviews like that have really impacted me and really um I don't know just I just feel so grateful that I'm able to to be there in that space. I mean, I think one in particular I remember, this was early on when I first started, and I was kind of, I was pretty shocked. I, I must admit I was pretty shocked when I started because I didn't, I didn't think that people were going to share as much as they did or as deeply as they did. And I remember what, it was one of, actually I think one of the stories I'll read, um, this, this big Marine, Vietnam Marine guy, <laughs> he, was, he was in his bed and, um, you know, he, he, told the story of, you know, of being in Vietnam and coming back and then having, you know, family troubles with his, with his wife and just all this relational stuff. And I, and he was, um, but he was, he had, he was like this really tough guy, but he was also just a very gentle guy at the same time. And, um, and, and I remember at the end of the interview, you know, he was, he had, he was sitting up and, you know, he finished and I, I, um, I, I suddenly just reached over and I like touched his arm, you know, I just held his arm because I just wanted to let him know that I had hurt him and that I was there and that I really was, it was just so important for me to hear that. And I, I didn't, I didn't even think about doing it. And, um, and I think, um, that was a moment when I realized, wow, this is really, um, you know, not just like therapy. This is like, you know, person to person in some way, in some really amazing way. So, Right. Man, thanks for sharing that. All right, we're going to take another break and get a word from our sponsors when we come back. Uh, in the next segment, Thor is going to read one of the stories. Uh, we have two more segments left. He's going to read a story in each segment. So when we come back, stay tuned. And you all want to hear this. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution 
have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, glad to be back talking. And, I, you know, I just learning of this, uh, my life, my story. Uh, it's the first time I've heard of v, in the VA, and I think it's an amazing, uh, amazing thing that they're doing. Uh, you know, to get that personal connection between the healthcare providers and the veteran and also therapeutic for the veteran. So, uh, Thor, if you would go ahead and uh, if you want to start and you want to read that first story that you have, uh, I'd love to listen to it. Okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, veteran's name is Joe. My younger brother died a couple of years ago. I still miss him. He was my only sibling and he went kind of crazy when his wife left him. Felt like he was trying to kill himself. He smoked five packs of cigarettes a day and drank more than you can imagine. We always had an intense relationship. Once we fought after his wife died and didn't speak for a year. I was the one who broke the ice and started talking again. I was always the peacekeeper in my family. My parents divorced when I was 13. My dad was an alcoholic and my mom left him. He eventually got sober and wanted to get back together. The poor guy still loved her. I pretty much learned to grow up young. I enlisted in the Marines in 1967. I thought it was the right thing to do. I did my basic in San Diego. Marine boot camp was just like you see in the movies, only harder. We started out as individuals and ended up together. You cover my back, I'll cover yours. That's how it works. My training was for infantry, a ground pounder, a killer, one of the real bright people. I arrived in Vietnam late in 1967. My first assignment was Da Nang Air Force Base, and I was temporarily assigned to MP duties. For two months, I was in charge of patrolling the base. When I had the opportunity to get back into the infantry, I jumped on it. I was in the 1st Battalion, 9th Marines, and we moved around a lot. We fought in Kantian, Fubai, and even in the DMZ. We lost a lot of people. At one point, our company was down from the 500 guys I started with to just 100 of them left. I didn't get injured. I did get a hearing concussion from an explosion and was bleeding out of both ears. It was rough at times, but I just kept going. When times get bad, you still bend over and pull up your socks. My tour in Vietnam lasted 13 months. I was shipped back to California, Camp Pendleton, and taught other people how to do it. I still get flashbacks at night, maybe once a month. 
I live out in the country, and I've been known to get up at night, grab a deer rifle, run outside, and start shooting at the trees. I'd snap out of it after a couple minutes and find myself outside in the snow. It's definitely better now than in the past. I'm able to wake up and calm myself down. I got married in 1968 while I was still in the Marines. I was just back from Vietnam. It was rough the first three or four years. You didn't want to wake me or startle me. On our honeymoon night, my wife touched me while I was sleeping. The next thing I remember, and I was choking her. She learned to keep her distance while I was sleeping. We were married for 20 years and had three kids. We saw a counselor at the end, but it was too late. She had already made up her mind to leave. We worked hard, though, to not let it affect our kids. I think I learned from my own parents' divorce that it doesn't do the kids any good when parents fight with each other. There are enough negatives in life. You don't need to go out and look for them. I'm here in the hospital because my sodium levels are too low. The doctors think it may have caused the stroke I had last year. It happened while I was camping. I had a seizure and another seizure after they got me in the ambulance. Then I had a stroke while they were getting me out of the ambulance. I woke up two days later in the hospital with the right side of my tongue chewed off. I had bitten it during the seizures. A couple months ago, I discovered a lump under my right arm, and they removed a tissue sample yesterday. I should know in a couple days whether it's benign or not. My mom died of cancer. I stopped smoking 15 years ago when my sister-in-law was diagnosed with it. I don't care to be unhappy. I just keep going. I'd rather be laughing than frowning. I'm proud of my military service. It didn't give me any skills that I could use when I got back to civilian life. I sometimes think that we killed off their people and our people for nothing. But I would sign up again today and do the same thing if I had the chance. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. It's pretty powerful. What's uh yeah, you go ahead. How many times have you been interviewed for? About have I been interviewed? Yeah. Oh, um I've been interviewed on uh you know, like podcasts and stuff like that. I've never been interviewed on the radio actually. (laughs) So okay. So and so when you hear these stories and doctors hear these stories, do you think it do you think it 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 helps them maybe even to look into PTSD? You know, because it wasn't until, you know, recently, I know my era, where PTSD was became like a, a super big issue to where they really started looking for it and trying to dive in and, and figure right. out the causes of it and stuff. Do you think that helps doctors and uh, medical oh, yeah. providers too? Yeah, I think so. Because, I, I mean, I think there's people who, you know, there's people who are, you know, might already be getting treatment at VA or somewhere, you know, for, for PTSD, but there's also people who don't even know they have it, you know, um, not even sure what it is. And so I think, um, you know, I think for a provider reading some of these stories, they'd be like, oh, you know, that's might be what this is, you know, and I think, um, so I, so I do think it can have that, it can, it can have that function of like, oh, you might have this, you know, maybe we should think about that. So yeah, I don't think that can happen, yeah, especially with, I think, like you said, like Vietnam and earlier, I think, you know, that awareness of that was just so much lower um, that people didn't even have a name for it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I think, I think now, I think 
you know, it's, it's a lot more recognizable. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, it's definitely, it's on the charts up there, uh, you know, in, in the red of, of yep. we need, we need to look for this, but how many people do you think, uh, and I know it's, this is going to be hard to answer, but how many people do you think that you've interviewed that had PTSD, maybe even severe PTSD, but didn't know it? Uh, you know, I would say probably for, you know, um, for you know, if you're looking back and thinking about like sort of you know World War Two and Korea and and you know Vietnam, I'd say you know a fair percentage of the of the people I'd say you know of people who've you know been in combat and had traumatic experiences, I'd say probably like a quarter of them, maybe more, and you know didn't identify that as something that was going on, you know. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I think I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of safe to say. I mean, obviously, I I am not a healthcare provider by any means, but uh, just from my experiences and the people that I know, I mean, the things that uh, soldiers are um, subject to and the things they do, yeah, I I would almost say it's for everybody that's in combat. You have some yeah. level of PTSD if you if you if you do the things that we've done and seen the things that we've seen. Would you agree that some people handle it differently than others, maybe better or worse, or, you know, I, I, it just seems like it's such a broad, broad thing, uh, PTSD that, uh, you know, I have friends that, you know, Navy SEALs and special forces guys, and, you know, uh, that have seen the most tremendous things on earth and, and they're able to deal with it in, in some way or fashion. And some people just can't. Yeah. Do you, do no, you run into not, that a lot? Yeah, no, I, I think that I think what you said is really true. I mean, I, I I would agree with you that if you, you know, I mean, you know, not having been in that situation myself, but from the people I've talked with, that I think you know, serving in combat and seeing seeing the things that you see and experiencing the things that you experience is you know a traumatizing thing um, and changes you. Um, in all, all, most of these stories talk about that, um, but I also think you know, like you said. There's there's people who seem to be, I don't know, more less impacted by it long term than others. I'm not, and I and I I know, and I don't think they really understand why that is. You know, I I've never really seen you know any explanation for why you know two people could go through the same type of experience and one you know would be you know I, what's the word you know damaged or injured by it you know um, you know emotionally yeah. and, and the other person not and so it's yes. Yeah, Right. Yeah, I think I often say that because people ask me um, how I've dealt with the things that I've dealt with and seen and all that stuff as well as I have. And and, and the best thing that I could come up with, and obviously it's just an opinion, um, but I think it's a mindset when you go or when you go into the military. You know, I think uh, I, cho I chose to go into the military in a time of combat to go to combat. I mean, that was my that's why I did it. I, I wanted to go help fight for this country. And, you know, and then not that everybody doesn't, I think it was just my mindset. No, I was mentally prepared for what I was going to have to do, what I was going to see. I think at least in my own mind, I'm not saying that I don't have PTSD. I know what I do, but I know, that I know what triggers it and I know how to deal with it. Right, um, right. But I, I think it's a mindset. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, that's definitely sounds right. What you're saying. I mean, I think, you know, going into, I do think there's a difference between, you know, choosing something that you know will probably be traumatic and experiencing something traumatic that's unexpected. 
I mean, I think I think you know you, you have I think your mind and your sort of spirit has a way of preparing you in some way. You know, you you know what you're going into, and I think it's you know I think if you don't expect that or going into it with different expectations, when something happens, it can really un, you know unsettle you in, in, a, in almost permanent way sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's spot on. All right, we're gonna take uh, another a break here and a word from our sponsors, and when we come back, Thor's gonna read another another story to us that's uh, hopefully just as touching as the last. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again. 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I'm not going to say a lot. I want Thor to get right into this next story. There's a couple more questions I have after he reads it. So, Thor, if you're ready, ready with this next one, go ahead. You bet. Thanks. Yeah, Jess. My mom and dad separated when I was three and got divorced when I was five. My dad wasn't really a part of my childhood, but my mom has always been about the best mom she could be. She wasn't around as much as other moms, but she didn't have a choice about that. She worked hard to support my brother and I and always had two or three jobs. I loved school and was always really good at it. 
a week before graduating high school, a semester early, I ran into a recruiter in the counseling office. He offered me a $10,000 sign-on bonus and an opportunity to attend college if I joined the Army National Guard. I never thought about joining the military before, but it suddenly seemed like the best solution. I was 17, and my mom had to sign the papers to allow me to join. I had my basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Basic was intimidating and scary. I started having some physical problems and went to see the sick call doctor on the base. He sexually assaulted me during the physical evaluation. Luckily, he left marks on me, and I hit him and left marks on him. When I was able to escape, I ran back to the bay where we were stationed and hid in the bathroom. I was missing half my layers of clothing and my shoes. My battle buddy came looking for me, found me, and I told her what happened. She told the drill sergeant what had happened. He asked me, where were you, Sullivan? I told him, I was at sick call, sergeant, and he took off running. When I got to sick call, there was my drill sergeant on top of the guy, beating the shit out of him. After the assault, they asked me if I wanted to get out of the military. I said, if I can get through what just happened, I can handle the rest of boot camp. My battle buddy was from Wisconsin, like me, and she had been assaulted in a less violent way by the same guy. We became best friends and went to AIT training together. I realized during that time that I was a stubborn individual. I knew there were people who thought I couldn't do it, and I was going to prove them wrong. Graduated from basic training, and my dad and his dad attended the ceremony. It's the only time I've ever seen my dad cry. After I got through my training, I came back to Wisconsin and went back to school. During that first semester, I got called back to Fort Jackson to testify against my assaulter. At the court-martial, I had to bring up all the memories of what had happened. I missed a lot of school, and this affected my grades. It was extremely stressful. In June of 2006, I got the phone call, you are now being activated. I had 10 days to get ready before deployment, and I had to get a lot done. I was about to buy a condo, so I backed out on that. I sold my car because I didn't know what to do with it. Four or five days later, they called and told me I wasn't deploying. I ended up calling my commander and told him respectfully that I really needed to go. My stubbornness paid off. They put me back on the list for deployment. I served in the Army in Kosovo for 16 months. During my time in the military, every single female was sexually harassed in some way. I was tasked with taking care of EO equal opportunity for my unit, which meant a lot of rapes were reported to me. When I would pass them up the chain of command, nothing would ever happen. I would get punished for speaking out and vocalizing my issues with the chain of command. As a female in the military, it seemed like you could only choose one of three roles, the bitch, the slut, or the lesbian, and it didn't matter which one you chose. You were punished and treated like shit for all three. I came back from Kosovo in the fall of 2007 and went back to college. I started processing the emotions that I wasn't able to let myself feel while I was deployed. My grades dropped. I started sleeping 20 hours a day. I didn't know that's what was happening. I just knew that I was in trouble. I wanted to kill myself. I just wanted to die. Luckily, I was living a short distance from a VA hospital, and I started going there nightly to sit and feel safe. There was an on-call social worker there, and she would talk to me. didn't really feel like therapy. She just let me talk. I'd come here and tell my story to her over and over. She saved my life. I got my undergraduate degree in psychology and my master's degree in May of 2013. My goal was to get a job working for the VA, and I now work there as a counselor for other veterans. I know how important it is to have someone else who's been there too. 
I also know how long it can take to heal. Trauma isn't something you recover from in a 9- or 12-week program. It's something that can get better over time, but it's with you your whole life. You also need to be stubborn. The only reason I have a relationship with my dad now is because I wanted to have that. For years, I just hated him. I stayed away and had nothing to do with him. I started reaching out when I was in high school, but it was me who made it happen. I lost someone in Kosovo, someone really near to me. He was my sergeant major, and he was old enough to be my dad, maybe even my grandpa. He had daughters my age, and we would sit and talk about them for hours. In the beginning of our deployment, he didn't have any pictures of them. At my request, he brought back pictures of them when he went on leave, and I got to see his beautiful wife and two daughters. I was the one who packed up his belongings after his death and sent them on back to his family. I helped load his body onto the airplane to go home. You can't imagine the emotions that go through you at a military funeral. They play taps, one of our own female soldiers saying Amazing Grace and the National Anthem, and there's roll call. They read out the names of everyone in the unit, and everyone says, present, when their name is called. But this roll call can't be completed because someone isn't there. They get his name, and instead of someone answering back, there is silence. They call his name again, and there's silence again. They call his name a third time, and again, there's nothing. There's a minute of silence, and then the guns start firing. It's an indescribable feeling. It goes through your chest and your stomach. There's nothing like sending a body home. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, I can contest to that. I was at OSC for a funeral detail, and I'll tell you what, it's probably the proudest I'd ever been uh, to take part in that. Uh, you know, it's such an honor, and that's the way I looked at it, because uh, that was the last honor to pay the family after getting, the, you know, the worst news on earth, that they lose a family member. And so I know that's one thing I took very seriously. It was uh, very touching. Uh uh, so the last, last, last segment, sorry, that, that was a pretty powerful story for me, actually. Um, yeah. it's a really powerful story. Yeah, no, I get pretty emotional when I read it, actually. So, yeah. yeah. But last, right before we cut off, you talked about, ex, uh, soldiers and the expectations of, uh, you know, everybody's expectations are a little bit different and that's how it kind of affects. And so I think, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think that was a very, very good way to, um, explain it because, you know, when I got hurt, you know, every expectation I had from my life from there on out had changed, you know, overnight and I had no control over that. And so laying in bed in a full body cast, thinking, hearing everybody telling me what I could and could not do, you know, it's such, so powerful for me. I mean, it affected me so badly and, and I, I got de- super depressed and I, you know, I'd laid there in my somber and the one thing, it just, t- it always just takes one thing. The one thing that snapped me out of it and made me stand up like a man again was seeing the the, the burn patient that I talk about in my story. Right. Uh, he was burnt 98% of his body. And I just, I felt so terrible about how I was laying around feeling sorry because at the end of the day, comparatively speaking, I wasn't hurt that bad. And, and so that was such a big, a big moment for me. And that's, that's, that's really what motivated me to slingshot forward in life of try to accomplish, you know, as much as I possibly could. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, you know, I, that's, that's such a, 
I don't know. I, I'm this like I said. This I hadn't heard about this before. This is my life, my story, and I think it's such, it's an awesome uh, thing you have going. And is it accepted by all the all the VAs, or is it just a select few? So right now it's at it's at like over 50 VAs have it now across the country, and it's sort of like scattered. Um, so I think what we're what we're going to be doing this year is try to um, introduce it to more VAs and by um, by having a doing the interviews more of the interviews remotely so doing them over like you know zoom or, or something like that or the phone because um, we have a lot of volunteers and people who are trained to do it um, and so we're this year we're going to expand it to uh, more VAs and people are going to be able to do the interviews remotely if they want to because there's a lot of VAs that would like to do the program but just haven't you know committed to it yet don't have the staffing for it so we're I would say over the next five years you know the goal you know, is is to get this at every VA and make it available to everybody. You know, um, you know everybody who wants to do it, <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. No, I, I I think it's a great program, and I I don't know what little I could do, but if I could ever do anything to help, uh, I sure would do it. I sure would be oh, behind sure. it. I'd, okay. Yeah, that's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, spreading awareness is great, and I'm really just so happy that you had me on the show to talk about it because it's. Uh, Oh no, I really appreciate it. So we we did we got a little bit of time left, just a few minutes. But I wanted to. Uh, do you, are you are you aware of the operator syndrome, as they call it? I think oh, I think I've heard about it. I think just recently. Yeah, could you maybe maybe explain a little bit? I just read about it. I think a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think basically. Um, I mean, I don't have the book definition, but the. You know, the the accumulate accumulation of like psychological neutral and. Uh, you know, all, all being a, being an operator, or even even you can just even say just being a soldier, right? You go to war, right. you're living on adrenaline for six right. to eight months, and you know you come with the physical demands that that takes on your body, and then you, then you come home, and that's when that's when like all a lot of these problems start to come out. And is right. that something that that uh, the VA is going to concentrate on, or um, because I know a lot of soldiers come home and trying to live, you know, trying to replace that adrenaline from um from combat and they either get depressed and you know and as you right. know our suicide rate is through the right. roof they either get depressed and commit suicide or they kill themselves on a motorcycle or something trying to replace that right um right. Is, is that something that, that you've heard that's going to be uh, tackled into the va you know i haven't i haven't actually heard about it yet i think you know i would but you bring up a really good point though i think because i think you know i think you know a lot of times you know if if I think the you know I mean the issue is kind of like you know a healthcare system right is it's always like responding to problems that are like the biggest ones you know instead of like working to prevent them from getting worse you know and so in some ways I mean I just think it's really interesting what you're talking about because I think if there was a way that they started you know if you started thinking about well how do we how do we keep people from getting worse how do you know how do we you know help them make that adjustment what is the way to do that I mean I think that's really something that we should be doing um, and and not just waiting until people are you know uh, you know, diagnosed with severe PTSD and having those kinds of, you know, and having the issues that go along with that. Um, right. I, yeah, so I don't know I mean, what, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but, um, but I, I totally agree with you that I think, you know, sort of almost like preventative, I don't know, preventative medicine, I don't want to say it that way, but, you know, I mean, being aware that these things happen and taking them more seriously early on, you know, and, and yeah, um, it's, it's just a, it's a simple fact of being proactive yeah. as instead of reactive. Totally. Um, yeah. I think that's, but, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Thor, I really want to thank you for your time and explaining this. Um, I'm really going to dig in. I want to do some more research on it, and I want to stay in touch in any way I can ever help. I, I would be more than happy to. I'd, I'd be honored to be a part of it for anything that I could do. But thanks for your time tonight, and I uh, just appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. I, I really enjoyed being on the show, and you had great questions, and, I, and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. And there are all the listeners. I want to thank you all for tuning in, and uh, I want to encourage you to, to tune in next week. We're going to have another great story. Or, and, uh, you know, thanks for everything you do. And just remember to thank a veteran, and uh, God bless America. Thank you. God bless our veterans. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN. Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible.